Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, everybody. I'm back. Oh, it's a good day, isn't it? Well, it's okay. We can do better, I think. It's a good day, isn't it? There we go, church. Come on. It's the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it, right? Oh, well, yeah, like I said, yesterday was my anniversary. My wife and I went out and had a wonderful night together. My parents took the girls, so that was awesome. We've been married 23 years. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, And uh, going for 40 more. So here we go. (laughs) Um, It's been so good and and abundantly more than I could ask, think, or imagine, which is the verse of the day in the Bible today uh, amidst that section in, in, in Ephesians 3. So if you're new to Thrive, I'm going to give you a a piece of information that if you're not new to Thrive, you know this very well. Pastor Brian loves Christmas. (laughs) I love all things Christmas. Christmas is the best, right? It is the best. And if you're like, well, I'm not that big of a Christmas guy, stick around because you will be. (laughs) All right? It is the best. It is the best time of year. And it's number one because of what Jesus did, because he came and he gave, God gave us the greatest gift of all, his own son. That's why Christmas is the best, okay? But then all the things that overflow from that, okay? Everything about Christmas is amazing. I love it. And you can ask my wife every year, I'm willing to just destroy our budget for the sake of giving gifts to our kids and her, and her. I don't need anything. I really couldn't, couldn't care less. But like, I just like, well, just take out a savings, right? Take, take a loan out, whatever, it's fine. So they need two hoverboards, absolutely. Like that's, that's, I have a hard time restraining myself on Christmas and all things Christmas. Because I just like more. I just want to lavish it on them. I want them to one day just be like, wow. And they, the kids even have this like joke where if we retire someday, they're like, um, and they live in different places. My, my wife has said, we're going to live with each one of you. And just as the years, you know, the months go by, we'll just move from kid to kid's house. You know, we okay back there? That's all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Andrew just heard that piece of information for the first time. Um, <laughs> And uh, well, just moving from house to house and all the kids, I think Colin has been, been the one that said, uh, that's fine, but we get dad at Christmas. <laughs> uh, because I think it's the time of year they like me the most. Because um, I just like, I love it. Just all the things. I can remember one year we, uh, we were living in a church parsonage, which is a home the church owns. And we didn't have a lot of money, but some people blessed us. And I, uh, the boys were little. And I set up like this whole G.I. Joe war thing. I hung a helicopter from the ceiling with fishing line. And I set up this giant battle scene. And I didn't get the reaction I was hoping for. You know, they were just like, huh. You know, they were, uh, but I was like, I think that was amazing, you know. Because uh, I, I, just, I just love it. Like, 
the, that time of year just more abundant. You know, just, just get, I just want to bless them, and I just want to give. And I just want to pour out. Matter of fact, it is statistically speaking the highest time of year for charitable giving. Did you know that? People give financially more at Christmas than they do any other time of the year. You'll see Salvation Army standing ringing their bells in front of a store at Christmas. They raise over 90% of their budget for the year there, just ringing bells. Because people will give at Christmas. Why? Well, it's, it's a reflection, right? It's a reflection that God gave his son. And whether we like it or not, that DNA is written on man's heart. And so we become givers. Like there's something inside of us that knows. It's time to give. And that is the spirit of God is a God who is so much more than we think. He's so much bigger. He's so, he's, he's so much more than we contain him to be. All the time. Right? Sometimes they're like, well, I don't know about a small church. I couldn't go to, I need to go to a big church. And I would say, you put your God in a box. He can do so much more with even what looks like little. And some people would be like, I, I only prefer for a small church and God calls them to a big church. And, and good things happen in their life there. Why? Because God is beyond, he is more than what we think. He goes way beyond what we can think. And Ephesians 3, Paul begins to talk about that right before he starts getting to instructions about how the church needs to be the church, how we behave as believers, how we act, the spiritual things we're up against. He finishes out the first half of the book with saying, I need you to understand who this God is. And he's so much more than what we think. So Ephesians chapter 3 Verse 14, he starts with this. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. So what jumps out at me there? God, God's accounts are more than you need. A lot of us think very earthly when it comes to what God has. Or we just don't think about it at all. We think what we have, monetarily, physically, even emotionally, mentally, the strength we have, we think, I only have so much, you know, so I can't. But we never think in terms, we so rarely think in terms of what God has for us. The accounts he has for us, the amount he has for us. Now hold on, before you, before you are like, oh, here we go. Pastor Brian's about to talk about money, and the church is all about money. As you can look around and plainly see, <laughs> we are rolling in the gym money, <laughs> right? And if you really are wondering, I'll show you my 2011 Honda Odyssey. That beeps if I don't turn the switch off, <laughs> right? And we are going to talk about money, but it's more than that. And it talks. It says it's more than that. It's to give you strength. It's give, God has so many resources for you. And we believe so little of what we can actually take or handle now. We used to be the other way. We used to be like, I can do it all. 
I can, we can conquer the world. I can have all the things. And now we're the other way. Like, well, my, you know, I only have so much real estate. I only have so much time. I really need some me time. How much me time do you need? Seven, eight hours of Netflix streaming a day at minimum, right? I just need the me time. I just need to focus on me for a while. I've known some people with, like, only children, and they really allow their, their, their one child. they like, they just need some me time right now. I'm like, their whole life is me time. <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> they don't have, you know, like that's, that's part of it. It's, it's okay, all right? But that's like we're that way. I'm an introvert. I know I can only go out in public once every other year because I'm introverted. You know, I'm a number seven on the, what is that called? The what? The Enneagram, right? The Satan-gram. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, so I can, only, I can only do so much. I only have this much emotional uh, bandwidth for the, like, stop it. God has more for you. And I'm not telling you to go beyond all, to have no boundaries in your life. No, that'd be foolishness. That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying if, is God is calling us to it. We're supposed to be a lot more like him than we are like ourselves. And he has a lot more resources and abilities for us than we have inability. He has more stuff than we have lack. He has more resources, uh, resources than we have need. And he pours it out on his children according to his will, right? Right, if we, if we all got all we wanted with God, right, we'd all have the seven houses, right? We'd all be sitting on the beach in Bahamas driving our Lamborghinis around the island being like, ah, oh, God has given me more than my need. But now he doesn't do that. Why? Because he's a good God and he gives us a portion to his will and grows us towards that, Right? Because, because he's a good father, not a deadbeat dad, right? So just like our kids, they don't, we don't just give them candy, right? If we made that decision for them, that's what they would do all day, right? Eat candy. Seinfeld's got a whole bit on that, right? When you're a kid, you're just like, get candy. That's all I ever think about, get candy, right? And then one day they tell you about Halloween, you're like, what? What is this? Where? When? How? I can wear that, <laughs> right? Because you're thinking all about just get candy all the time. And yet we know that would be extremely destructive to our children, right? They would lose their teeth, they would lose their health, and we would lose our minds, right? So we're not going to do it, right? But we feed them more than they need. Anybody here ever throw out food that you're like, I cannot believe I'm throwing this out and they didn't finish it? Anybody put your hands up. Because your kids and your family and we have more than we need. Matter of fact, we don't even realize how much we have because of where we are. We are richer. If you have food on the table, if you have air conditioning, if you have more than one car, more than a TV in your home, you are wealthier than 94% of the globe you're in the top 6% in this room of the wealthiest people on the planet. But we don't think that way because we're constantly seeing stuff through our lens right here. Looking just this. And it's like, I love us, but we got to get out more. <laughs> I, I've been around the world a chunk. And I've seen it ain't like this. 
There is a lot of poverty and struggle around the globe. We are blessed. And even here, we think God doesn't have enough for us. And it's a lie. God has more for us than we could ever imagine. God's accounts are more. Psalm 37, 25 says, God, once I was young, now I'm old. I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. But we believe that. Man, I was just fired. What am I going to do? If you're doing everything you can do, God's got you. Now, if you're like, well, I've been on the couch for eight weeks. That's not on God. That's on you. Get up. But... If you're doing everything, you're doing what you can, God's got you. He will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. But it's the human condition to doubt God's ability to provide for us. It's the sinful nature of us that says, whatever God has isn't even enough. When we went to launch Thrive, I was terrified. It was literally like, what am I going to do? What if I can't feed my kids? What if, and I remember talking, I was actually, I, I had a friend, she was a Christian counselor, and she had actually coached church planters. And she had basically said, I'm going to offer you my services for free, counseling you through this for a while. Because if you don't do it right, it can literally just, she goes, I knew amazing couples that divorced and their lives were devastated just from church planting. So please let me coach you. And I was like, I will take it. I know I need help. And one, it's a month or two before launch. It was over right by Taft School, right over here. And I'm on a walk, and I'm talking with her on the phone. And, and, and I'm like, you know, we, we have a little bit of money, and, and there's a few people committed and, and things like that. And I, I have money up until we launch, but I just feel like it just doesn't feel like enough. Like there, there's got to be more, and I'm just scared. And, and, and I know I can trust God, but I'm having a hard time trusting God. <laughs> And she said something to me that shook me, and I I will never, ever forget. She said, Brian, the reason you feel that way, it's not because God isn't enough or there isn't enough there. It's because no matter what it was, it wouldn't be enough because it's not what's wrong with God. It's what's wrong with you. It's not his lack. It's your unsatiated need. It's a sinful nature that says there's always got to be more. We grow in a holy contentment when we realize, God, I want God to have it all. I don't. And then we realize God's resources are far more. And so I'm going to touch on something real quick that some of you will love and some of you will not love. We'll talk about the monetary side. So here's what happens every time in a local church we have great mission. People divert funds. The Bible talks about a tithe. Tithe is 10% of our giving going back to the Lord. Financial. Now, some people would be like, that's an Old Testament law. I'm so glad you brought that up. (laughs) All right. So, first, first I would say this is a great book. I'm going to read a couple things from it. The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. It is not what you think it is. It is not a life of rolling in the dough. That is not what the blessed life is. The blessed life is about giving. Okay? It's a phenomenal book and an easy read. A couple of things about 10% being an Old Testament law of giving, and I don't have to do that in the New Testament. Okay, first, 
Abraham gave to the priest Melchizedek before there was an Old Testament law. And he gave 10%. Why, if that's a law? There was no law yet. Okay, not only that, going further, right? Abel gave to the Lord, and there was no law yet. And he poured it out. Okay, now, another thing he brings up in this book is 10 is a number of testing in the Bible. Matthew 6, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm reading from the book. I want you to notice that it doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. It basically says your heart follows your treasure. And so the Lord says that first 10% of what you make, that first amount, we're giving it to the Lord no matter what. No matter what, the first 10, it's going to you, Jesus. It's going back into your local, well, I, I, I get to decide where it does, the Bible, but the Bible doesn't say that. It basically says, give it to, to the Lord, which is to the house and his local church, and then we go from there, right? So, okay, Matthew 25, 10 virgins had, prepare, had their preparedness tested. 10 days are mentioned in Revelation 2.10. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the house that there's, that there's food in my house. Test me in this. Over and over in the, in the Bible, 10 is the number of testing. How many commandments are there? It's a test of your obedience. There's a number here. Why? I don't know. That you've got to take up with God. But God can do more than with your 90 than you can do with your 100. And what happens, like this past summer, we just had RFK and teen camp and a building fund. And if I showed you the bank accounts, you'd see that the money went there and didn't go back in the general account because people divert their giving and say, well, I've chosen that I'm going to give my tithe over here instead of over there, instead of realizing there's a distinction between tithe and offering. Tithe maintains the house. Offering extends the kingdom of the house. Extends the kingdom that God is doing here beyond. That's what it means and that's what it's for. And if you think I'm wrong in this, don't test Pastor Brian. Test God. But you can't test it unless you step into it. And if you refuse to step into it, you've made up your own rules on what you can or can't give or how or when to give and how much. I'm not saying God doesn't love whatever you do give and doesn't even bless you for it. What I am saying is you have withheld part of your heart to the Lord. And God, in every area of our life, God cannot be second. Now, it's not a big deal. I'm a weird person. Financially, you can ask my wife. I've just never worried. I just don't worry that much. Now, part of it is because my wife is better at paying the bills than I am. Um, she's just more detail-minded. Now, I pay her bill. Don't get me wrong. I work hard. <laughs> she's just more like, hey, this is this date. Got to make sure you remember this date. Strangely enough, when it comes to church stuff, like I remember all the dates. <laughs> it is weird, right? Like, and just like, you know, the church credit card, I'm like, yeah, I already paid it. 
That's weird. But um, I'm more afraid with God's people's money than ours. I'll just throw ours away. Um, <laughs> anybody want a credit card? I got some. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I tr- but I know I'm a little weird that way, but some of some people in here, you're the opposite. You are the, the nerd in your house. You know where every penny's going. You know how much you've got to bring in. And, and you're, you think tithe is like, well, I will when. No, you won't. It's not that you need God to give you enough money. It's that you don't trust God to be enough. And if you think it's an Old Testament law, I think we just covered that. But I will say this for those who are like, well, that's, you know, we're under grace now. Uh Uh-huh. All right. So the point you're bringing up with that is saying under grace you get to do less. Top Ten Commandments says about adultery to not do that. (laughs) Now, under grace, do you get to just do that a little bit? (laughs) Do you get to pick and choose who your spouse is on any given day and how much you want to love them? No, grace says, don't even look. Grace has now empowered you to live even more free, to walk in holiness and righteousness. So grace shouldn't enable me to give less to the Lord even financially, but give even more. I'm going to trust you. Here, Lord, take it. All right. I bang that drum. And the more you become content with what God gives, you become more confident in what God has. The main reason we hold on to money, if we're real honest, because we love it more than the one who loves us sometimes. We trust what's in our account more than we trust the one who holds our accounts. Trust him. Take the step of faith. I think you're wrong, Pastor Brian. All right. Well, Malachi says it. Test him. Try it for a month. See if he blesses you. See if he comes through. It's the only place in the Bible God says, test me. The only one. At no point does he say, murder them and test me. He doesn't say that. (laughs) He just says, don't murder but this is the one where he says, when it comes to your money, test me. See if I, see if I don't come through for you. Anyway. And, and we felt it. We felt people. And I'm, I'm not, because I don't know who's given what. Like, I don't go through and, like, they diverted their funds to you. That, that, Pastor Brian doesn't know that. I don't know that. I don't know that list, and I don't care. Because I'm not the judge of your heart. We struggle financially at times plenty, too. Okay? I, I, I'm going to share something. I'll just be real honest with you. My wife and I, so if you're like, oh, Pastor Brian wants a raise. Actually, I don't, and I didn't. This past fall, the church board made me take a raise for the first time since we launched. But our budget has grown 80, uh, I don't know, probably upwards of 100% from launch. Our Financially, what we bring in. So why didn't we take a raise? Because it's for the kingdom. Because we wanted to bring on other staff or at least give staff something for the life pouring out. Because we wanted to give money to missions. Because rent cost more. Because we wanted to buy TVs instead of a screen we couldn't see. <laughs> right? And like, just stuff like that. That's why. 
it's not about getting, I don't, I don't, God doesn't need our money. But God wants our hearts. And he, he is more aware than even we are of how much that can hold our hearts. So that's it. But he goes on into verse 18. And this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. And he, as we obey him even financially, we continue to discover how much he loves us. Verse 18, you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how deep, and how high his love is. Oh, may experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. You'll be made complete with all the fullness and the power that comes from God. Long story short, God's love is more than you know. God's love for you is way beyond what you or I could begin to get it. If you're like, I I understand God loves me. No, you don't. None of us get it. And what I want to do is just break down those words. Wide. You know, that word wide there, it's not like wide like we know wide. Wide there means God's love goes in every direction. He loves people we don't love. Right? Somebody you could be like, there's some people I love. (laughs) Right? But I'm not going on vacation with them. (laughs) Right? You know who you are. Some of you have got in-laws and you're like, I love them. But I don't love them. (laughs) Right? That's what you think. But God does. God sees in them the things that we never see. God has a compassion on them we just can't have. You all be honest, like, we all have our stuff that we have a lot of grace for and understanding for, and then we all have those great, the things that we just have very little grace for. And everybody's unique in that, right? I, I, my my wife can tell you, I have so little grace, like, I really struggle with people who are really arrogant. Just, I don't have a lot of grace for it. People who are just like, hi, I'm awesome, and you're welcome. Like that, that, people who carry themselves that way, and we know who they are. Don't point, all right? There's a couple here. I don't know who you are. But there are, they exist, right? Most of them, a lot of them sell things for a living. Some of them, are, they're good at it, right? Because they're, they're so self-assured. Often they are in, f- in fields of sale because they have a confidence you know, not always. There, I've, I know plenty of salesmen with integrity and are not arrogant people, okay? Jesse, you're one of them. Relax. <laughs> not talking about you. <laughs> All right, there are people, but there are those people who are just like, you know, I could do that, and I'd do it better. But if you ever want advice, you know, thank you. Unsolicited advice is usually the key to the arrogant, right? And, and yet God has grace and understanding and love for them when I don't. The person who's absolutely stuck, God loves them. He sees them. He's like, hey, I, I still love you. If you're, let me just tell you something. If you're looking at me right now, you're here and you're breathing, God loves you and he has a plan for you, period. No matter who's given up on you. All right, man, I had quite the ministry week. Hospital visits, Multiple. I had rough phone calls with people. Not at me, just stuff going on in their life. And I just think, how wide is the love of God that he loves you so much? He loves you in this moment. 
He see his, his love goes here. Now, kids and I, if you have kids, you've probably done this. They play the game. I love you this much. Remember when our kids did that? Some of you, your kids growing up, they don't do it anymore because, you know, they're not good kids anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> Glory still does it. I love you this much. Because her, that's as big as love can get, as, how, that's as far as I can go. And it's old and it's kind of a cliche. But Jesus does that on the cross. He's like, I love you this much. As he stretches out his arms and dies for the world. And that love goes in every direction. To every person on the planet who just say, yes, Jesus, come on in. I have such a hard time with those who believe God can't. We all have somebody, but I, I know some people like, well, God can't reach them. They're not coming to cry. They're the, you, don't, you don't know. I, I'm just, I can't be that pastor. I know at times that's even maybe helped prevented certain amounts of growth because I'm just not willing to throw a lot of people out that other people are. Because Jesus doesn't do that to me. If they're breathing, he hasn't thrown them out. I, I, I know we can't minister to everyone. That's not possible. The next word, long. He will go, that word means the longest distance. He'll go further, longer, and farther than any of us will with us. <laughs> Aren't you glad God goes a long way with you? Because he is so patient. If you think God's love can run out, run out on you, you haven't understood it yet. If you're sitting here, you need to begin to understand God's love is long. He is in this. I said to Ange, before we got married, I think it freaked her out. I remember saying to her, I said, I want you to know, I'm in this for the long haul. This is for life. We will cross the finish line. God's love is long for you. It extends. When you've run out on yourself, he hasn't. When you're like, I don't feel any love, it's not because he's, his love is left. It's because we're numb. It's not him. His love is long. And then deep. That word deep. His love is deep. The depths of the ocean. Now hear me out. God, God is love, but love is not God. The Bible says God is love. Love is not God. Don't get it backwards. And God is the very definition of what lives. It goes to the very depths of our soul. Think of your worst injury, your worst mistake, your worst grief, abuse, sexual abuse, rape, incest. God's love can get to the bottom of that and redeem it. We're now living in a very Freudian time that basically says your sexuality is your personhood. It's a, it's a very, very sad, minimalist view of humanity. It's destructive. But I am telling you, when you discover the love of God, that changes everything. And I mean really discover it. Not like, well, I'm going to give it a try. 
Matter of fact, there's a great testimony about this that I, I, I couldn't deliver it well enough. So just take a look at this testimony of Becca Cook. Go ahead, guys. and finding success in my career. So at a very young age, I knew that I was attracted to the same sex. I had to keep it myself. I dated you know, girls, and I think elementary school, I meant to stay with girls, and high school, I dated girls. But it's all a facade. After college, I ended up moving to LA to pursue acting, writing, and kind of a creative, more of a creative field. I just came out there that's when I fully embraced homosexuality as my identity. After each relationship with a guy, and after it was in, I had total amnesia that it, how it all ended. And I would think, oh, the next guy is going to be perfect, and the next guy is going to be amazing. And of course, like two years later, it's over. You know, cheating, infidelity, it's over. At this point in my life, I was very successful in my career as a set designer and production designer. I mean, I was doing covers for Vogue and for Harper's Bazaar, and I worked with a lot of pop stars like Katy Perry and Paris Hilton and Oprah. Everyone can imagine 1%. And I also started my own men's fashion line that was successful. Um, our clothes were in you know, LA, New York, Paris. I went to all of shows, I went to all the after parties. I was at this one after party in Paris and I remember just everyone was there from the fashion world. I think Kanye was there that year. And I was kind of looking out over the crowd. It just struck me so profoundly. I was like, is that all there is to life? Just going to parties for the rest of my life? Is that all is this what it's all about? And I really started to panic that way. I was overwhelmed with a sense of emptiness. Got back to LA and got busy with work for about six months. I was at a coffee shop in LA with my best friend. And he's gay too. And we noticed, shockingly, that there was a table next to us with Bibles on the table. This was the first time I'd seen a Bible in public in Los Angeles, ever. And by that point in my life, I was a practical age. Finally, I just turned around and said, Are you guys Christians? And they just they laid it out for me. They told me what they believe. They told me the gospel. So what does your church in Hollywood believe about homosexuality? And they were just like, well, you know, we would just said. And what's interesting is, number one, I appreciated how kind of frank they were and honest. They invited me to church the following Sunday. And I, I was like, I don't know where you go to church, but I'll think about it. And the following Sunday, I wake up, and I'm like, I guess I'm just going to go to this church today. The pastor comes out, and he starts preaching on Romans chapter 7. Something strange started happening. Everything he was saying, Every word he was saying, every sentence he was saying started to resonate as truth in my mind and my heart, and I didn't know why. I was on the edge of my seat, literally on the edge of my seat. It was the first time I really heard the gospel and understood it. And before he left, he invited people to get prayed with on the side of the church. I 
looking up to the sky, stranger, and I say, I don't know what I believe, but, but I'm here. And he said, okay, I'll pray for you. And he laid hands on me and prayed for me. It seemed really intense and long. And I just started thinking, why is this straight dude that loved me so much? Because it seemed so lovely when he was saying, pray. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is just like floods me. And God is revealing himself to me in my home. And he's like, you're now adopted into my kingdom of wealth. And I was like, discover the love of God <laughs> it's not even a trade it's like really you want my stuff for yours when you hear Beckett Cook he's got a great podcast it's just called the Beckett Cook show or something phenomenal podcast you can watch it on YouTube too because he does a YouTube video simultaneously with the podcast and people ask him the question you know but aren't you sad that you won't be with somebody because sometimes like I, I, I've known people who were some form of LGBTQ, and then God changes their heart and life, and their affections begin to change, and they, you know, they feel attracted to the opposite sex versus the same, and some who don't experience that. I don't know why. I, that you've got to take up with the Lord, okay? But he would tell you, like his, his thing is, I get the love of God. Like it, there's no trade here. Like, it, uh, it's not what I've lost, it's what I've gained. I mean, we think God's love only goes so far, and we're so wrong. God's love is so much more. It's so much better than what the world offers. It's so much better than, it's God's love. You love me this much, and you don't stop? And I get to follow you and walk in the fullness of that love and get to understand it more and more and more? Are you kidding me? Man, God's goodness is so, is so unbelievable. Matter of fact, then it goes on to say his love is higher. That word means to the heavens, beyond, beyond what we can see, beyond where we could go, where we could fly. I want to think about your best day ever. 
What was your best day ever? Maybe, maybe it was your wedding day. Maybe it was when you were a kid on the swings. Maybe it was a Christmas day. Maybe, whatever. What was your, a few people, what was your best day ever? Shout it out. You're afraid, right? <laughs> what do I say, the wrong one? Which one? The birth of your children, one of your best days ever. What else? Your wedding day. Okay. What else? Huh? Our kids' baptisms, yeah. Whatever it is, the best day you've ever felt, you, physically, mentally, emotionally, God's love is infinitely beyond that. That's how much he loves you. Whatever your best day ever is hasn't even begun to scratch the surface of God's love and goodness towards you. And I, I, I'm not trying to explain that God's going to make you feel that way all the time. I'm saying that's the way God is towards you all the time. That's, I mean, it's almost scandalous. And then, last section, and, and I want to do something different today. Nathan, just Nathan, come up. Nate, come on. I'm going to let the worship team stay, because I think maybe the Lord has something for you too. The, the last section, now all glory to God who's able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think. And another version says ask, think, or even imagine. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Now to him through his Mighty power work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could even ask or think or imagine. God's ability is more than you believe. And just leave that up there, guys. Somewhere inside of us, we want to believe God for the best things or the greater things or the breakthrough or the hope or the healing. But I'm like you. The cynicism of life begins to wear us down. It's like it, like, it's not instantaneous. It doesn't break us, right? Life is like sandpaper and it just starts rubbing rubbing off the finish, the veneer of our souls till it gets down to just where we begin doubting. And it gets worse as the years goes on and we, we start moving from I don't know if God will to God can't. And the worst one is God won't. Because that's what happens as life goes on because we experience things. Somebody breaks our hearts and we think this is the way it's going to be. Financially, we just get ruined and we're like, we'll just never get out of it. Physically, things happen to us over and over and we're like, this is just my lot and I'm just stuck. I know God loves me, but... Look, I, I, I'm well aware of when God doesn't heal 
and we keep walking. But even there, we discover his grace and his power in all of that, and we watch what he does even with it. But God, forgive us when we stop believing that God's ability is somehow limited. That God is stopping at things and can't do more. We need to be a people who say, I believe God for more. I am hungry for more, God. Seven years is nothing. Let's go. Yeah, I want a building, but I want more souls. I want impact in the region. I want the city of Chicago to shake from what's happening here. I want the mayors of Chicago to be calling us saying, we've screwed it up. What do we do? Let's pray. Accept Jesus, please. (laughs) And we've tasted some of that, but there's so much more. Are we believing God for more in our lives? Are we letting it sand us down so that our hope is diminishing and our faith is waning and our discouragement is rising? Or are we saying, no, my God does infinitely more than I could ask, than I could even think up, than I could imagine. He is greater. The Bible even talks about speaking to our own faith saying, stir it up. Get up. Speak to the mountains and say, move. Get out of my way. My God is bigger. He is able. You will not move me. I will move you. Some of you, the mountains in your own heart, saying it's impossible and you know what I want to validate that feeling for a second even Jesus said when they asked him about the rich man it is impossible with man with God all things are possible say with me all things are possible I don't want to have the family my parents had Pastor Brian with God All things are possible. I don't want to have my previous marriage with God. All things are possible. I don't want my kids to deal with what I dealt with. With God, all things are possible. Rise up, faith. Rise up in me. We sing that song, but not everybody means it when we sing it, right? You've been faithful. You'll never let me down. Some of you are like, well, that's not true. God has let me down. No, he hasn't. I would agree life has. But you're blaming God for things that happened. God is not the cause of pain and suffering and evil. It's a good lie from the enemy that he got you to believe. This life is not easy. And people are often not good, including the church. But God is. His love is bigger, wider, 
higher, deeper. His resources are more than you could pay out to him. And his ability is more than you can handle. How many of us want to step out in faith, but we're just like, I, I don't know if God will. <laughs> Joyce Myers said something real, real good years ago. She said, what if I miss God? People are like that. What if I miss God? What if I miss God? That's okay. He'll find you. <laughs> Do you think God will dishonor a step of faith towards him? If your kid runs to you and says, look, Daddy, I tried to fix it. It's a mess. Are you looking at your kid like, I am disgusted? <laughs> no. You're like, man, bless your heart. Look at you trying. Infinitely more your father towards you. Take a step towards healing in your heart. Take a step of faith that says, God, I want to be healed of my depression. I want it healed. And I don't know if you're going to do it instantaneously or over time, but I want to see you in action in my heart and my life because I've lived under this cloud too long. Stop asking God to heal everything around you so you'll heal. Let God heal you. Some of you are living with the disease and the Lord's like, I want to heal you. Step towards me. The woman with the issue of blood broke through the crowd just to touch him and she knew if I could just touch him. We need to start believing God for more in our lives. Hungry, faith rising up. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. So long.